The following sermon was delivered by Senior Pastor Reverend Dr. Scott Black Johnston in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday, in person or on live stream. For details, go to FAPC.org. And now, here is Reverend Dr. Scott Black Johnston. A month ago, actually, now it's almost two months ago, we surveyed the congregation. We wanted to know your favorite passages from the Bible. Specifically, we asked what words in the good book most inspire you, comfort you, guide you? What passage do you have scrawled on a card tucked in the corner of your bathroom mirror? You need to see it, be reminded of it every day before you go out into the world. Today's text is one such cherished passage. It was submitted by four individuals, all of them women. And when I noticed this, it got me thinking. While it's an unconventional choice, I've come to believe that today's text is perfect for Mother's Day. More about that in a minute. First, though, let's turn our attention to the text. Listen now for God's word to you as it comes to us from Joshua, chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. And before I do that, I'm sounding really loud to myself. Do I sound louder than normal to all of you? Is this good? Is the sound okay? It's okay. Okay. Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea in the west, shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed. 
for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Let's start with a little background. The book of Joshua begins by by turning the page on one of faith's most famous chapters, on one of the most celebrated individuals in the Bible. It begins with a solemn nod to the death of Moses. Moses, the prophet. Moses, the the liberator. Moses, the one who stood up to old Pharaoh, who, who thumped the floor with his staff and demanded, let my people go. Moses, who led a sometimes grateful and sometimes cranky people through the wilderness. Moses, who stood on the mountaintop and talked to God face to face. Who delivered the Ten Commandments twice, Moses, who stood on the banks of the Jordan River and pointed across to the Promised Land. Moses, a figure revered by three faiths, Jews, Christians, and Muslims, is dead. And as is often the case with a, when a figure of such magnitude is laid to rest, those left behind quickly begin to assess the qualifications of the next leader. This past week, Amy and I watched a few episodes of the television show, The Bear. Anybody seen The Bear? A few few of you out there. It's the story of a talented New York chef, Carmen Berzato who takes over a greasy spoon in Chicago, a restaurant that had been started by Brazano's now deceased brother. The existing staff at the restaurant do not trust the new chef. He may be their late boss's brother. He may have all sorts of highfalutin credentials, but he doesn't know their system. He doesn't know how to run their restaurant. They are skeptics. In Joshua 1, you can hear in the background of this text the murmuring of skeptics. God talked to Moses, but do you really think God is going to talk to his assistant? (laughs) Moses stood up to Pharaoh and his armies. Will this guy stare down bullies? Will what's his name, protect us, lead us, care about our welfare? Does he know the system? Will he be able to get us to the promised land? If you've ever been the new person, the new person on the basketball team, the new chair of a committee, the new hire at work, if you've ever wondered, do I have what it takes? If you've ever had imposter syndrome, if you've ever been told you have pretty big shoes to fill, then Joshua 1 is the passage for you. Joshua 1's a pep talk. God is offering words of comfort and endorsement to a new leader who's strapping on a pretty big pair of sandals. Listen again to what the Almighty says. No one 
shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Don't worry. I'm with you. And after promising not to forsake Joshua, no matter what trials may come his way, God admonishes the new leader, be strong and courageous. In fact, in today's short passage, God repeats this exhortation three times. Be strong and courageous, be strong and and very courageous, be strong and courageous. With, With growing intensity, God drums these words into Joshua's skull. It's, it's like he's it's a speaker at a graduation ceremony who wants to make absolutely sure that, that a sea of students in caps and gowns, students who will soon be making their own way in this rough and tumble world, know a critical truth, possess an, an essential skill, are prepared to face life's biggest challenges. And so God returns over and over to this potent refrain, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. These words are powerful. They promise divine solidarity. God says, I will never fall behind, drop away, or leave you sitting somewhere forsaken and alone. There is no place, literally nowhere, that you can go in this world. You might be under the brightest spotlight or in the most shadowed corner, but I will be there also. God exhorts Joshua to embrace this promise, to live every day under this promise. Go out into the world, act in bold ways, speak the truth, uphold the law, stand up for the good, trust that I will follow you every step of the way. Be strong and courageous. Joshua 1, I think, can stir your soul. You can do this. You can be strong. You can face this challenge, for I am with you. And it's not surprising, I think, that four of you pointed to these words in Joshua as your favorite passage in the good book. And that's why I think this popular and evocative text deserves further study. Today, I propose that we look at this passage from two angles. First... Let's spend a little bit of time examining one of the words that God repeats at the heart of this passage. What is courage? What is God actually asking Joshua to do? And second, given that it's Mother's Day, and given that this passage was submitted by four courageous women, I want to ask what unique perspectives do women bring to discussions about courage. Study number one, what is courage? Some say that courage is the strength of will needed to do something that frightens us. 
And there's truth in this definition. There are things in this life that we find extremely unpleasant and some that are knee-knocking scary and yet somehow we summon up the gumption to do these hard things. That is courage. Now that definition I think has its merits. But in the end it proves to be a bit too flimsy for people of faith. I say this because as far back as Aristotle and Plato, as, as far back as the earliest pages of our holy book, philosophers and poets and prophets have spoken about courage in moral terms. In other words, yes, courage is action in the face of uncertainty, fear, and even despair, but it is action motivated by a desire to do what is right, what is good. In fact, many of the world's great thinkers have pointed out that, that without courage, without moral strength devoted to doing good, the other virtues don't have a chance. Poet and civil rights leader Maya Angelou put it this way, I would encourage us to try our best to develop courage. It's the most important of all the virtues because without courage, you can't practice any other virtue consistently. You can be anything erratically, kind, fair, true, generous, but to be that thing time after time takes courage. I think Angelou's correct. Courage is the bedrock on which all the other virtues stand. To be truthful, you need to have courage. To be just, you need to have courage. To be kind, you need to have courage. To be merciful in this world, you need to have courage. Courage calls on us to do the risky thing, but also the right thing in the face of an outcome that we cannot predict or control. Does this mean that every act of courage looks like battlefield bravery, like someone throwing themselves on a hand grenade to save the rest of the platoon? Not necessarily, says artist and poet Marianne Rodmacher. In her book, Courage Doesn't Always Roar, Rodmacher writes, sometimes courage is the little voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow. In the fall of 1939 in Oxford, England, C.S. Lewis delivered a sermon entitled On Learning in Wartime. In the sermon, Lewis raised a pressing question, a question being debated by others at that precarious moment in history. Why should anyone engage in university studies during a war? 
and not just any war, <laughs> but a war in which National Socialism threatened the very survival of England and all of Europe. Answering this question, Lewis writes, the war creates no absolutely new situation. It simply aggravates the permanent human condition so that we can no longer ignore it. Human life has always been lived on the edge of a precipice. Lewis argued that, that human beings are always and forever engaging the world, going about life against a backdrop in which death and suffering and disease and poverty and war exist. These things frighten us, and with good reason, says Lewis, but we must not be controlled by these fears. Instead, this backdrop ought to fill us with passion for pursuing the good that we are called to do. Ten years later, in an essay entitled On Living in an Atomic Age, Lewis wrote, if we are all going to be destroyed by an atom bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies. A microbe, after all, can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. Lewis makes an important point. Knowing that the world is a mess, there is courage involved, real courage, in doing normal stuff, like bathing children, listening to music, having a conversation with a friend over a pint of beer. It takes courage not to fall apart in the face of malice and meanness. And when we do fall apart, it takes courage to risk again, to get out of bed, to face life, to strive for the good one more time, and then one more time. What gives rise to this sort of courage, moral courage that persists in the face of wrong? Study number two. A few thoughts on courage and women. My friends, I've come to believe that moral courage is rooted in solidarity. It's anchored in human connection. And for reasons that I'm sure have something to do with the different ways that people of different genders experience this world, this truth has been brought home to me primarily by the women in my life, by grandmothers 
and teachers, by my mother and my mother-in-law, by my wife and my daughter, and by countless women, friends, and colleagues in the church's extended family. These strong and faithful people have shown me again and again that courage begins when you know that you are not alone. I want to offer two stories to try and explain this. This past week, Kirsten, a member of Fifth Avenue's family of faith, texted me to say that Joshua 1 is her go-to verse. I asked if she would tell me why she did, and then I asked if I could share her reasons with all of you, and she said yes. As a child in elementary school, Kirsten went through a pretty tough season. She was worried about her parents' marriage and fearful about what was happening in her home. In these tough circumstances, Kirsten writes, I felt alone, but not lonely. I always felt a light, a strength, and loved. Kirsten continued, it wasn't until my first year of college in a Bible study that I stumbled upon Joshua 1.9. It explained everything. I'm strong and courageous. I'm not fearful. And my Lord and my God is and always has been with me wherever I go. This verse, Kirsten says, confirmed what I felt. God has been with me, always guiding me, always pushing me, and always loving me. Kirsten's testimony makes clear that courage is not something practiced in isolation. It's a note that God slips into our lunchbox. You are not alone. It's a light and strength in tough times. It's the blessed assurance of divine presence amidst the winds of, of misfortune. It's hearing the words of Joshua 1, looking back over your life and saying, you know what? It's true. It really is true. The Lord God is with you wherever you go. And the moral strength that rises out of a trust like that is a remarkable thing. Born in Maryland in 1822, Harriet Tubman was an enslaved woman whose faith and courage led her to flee captivity when she was 27 years old. Tubman made her way north to Philadelphia where she could live as a free person, working as a cook in Philly and actually Cape May, New Jersey, Tubman made a living and a home for herself. Quickly, though, she put her hard-won freedom and her very life at risk by returning again and again to Maryland to set free members of her own family and others who were enslaved. These covert military ops 
and that's what they were, eventually became known as the Underground Railroad. And Harriet came to be called General Tubman. When the US Congress passed the Fugitive Slave Act in 1850, requiring that formerly enslaved individuals be returned to their owners, Tubman doubled down on her courage and she began taking people all the way to Canada to escape the creeping reach of evil. In describing the religious impulse that, that empowered her to, to do these incredibly valiant things, Tubman would say, God is always near. He set the North Star in the heavens. He gave me the strength in my limbs. He meant that I should be free. Tubman sensed that, that God was always near, rippled through every aspect of her life, and she was determined to extend this same solidarity to others who were bent by the scourge of slavery. I've heard their groans and sighs and seen their tears, Tublin declared, and I would give every drop of blood in my veins to free them. My friends, courage is not unfocused bravery. It is bravery with a moral purpose. It is bravery that connects us to others. Be strong and, and courageous, God says to Joshua. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I am with you, says God. Now go be with and for others. Historians sometimes call Harriet Tubman America's Moses for her work freeing enslaved people. She should also, I think, be called America's Joshua. After all, she led people into a promised land, a place beyond geography where moral courage gave birth to the sweet air of freedom. All this is to say, I think there's a common thread running from Joshua 1 through the reflections of Maya Angelou and texts from my friend Kirsten, a thread made visible in the life and actions of Harriet Tubman. It's a thread that, for whatever reason, the women in my life have been especially good at pointing out. And the thread goes like this. In this messed up world, courage sprouts in the soil of scripture's sacred promise. We belong to God. And to trust in that fierce love is to become strong. It's a holy strength that, that overwhelms our fears and it stirs us up 
do. It fills us with fiery passion. It sends us out on covert missions to let others know that they too are not alone. Go from this place into this Mother's Day, and as you go, have courage. Hold fast to what is good. Do not return evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. Honor all people. Love and serve the Lord. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.